Hi, I'm Nicole Ferraro, and this is The Divide, a podcast from Light Reading exploring the ongoing digital divide, why and where it still exists, and what needs to be done to get people everywhere connected to reliable, high-speed internet. Today, I am joined by Matt Collins, Chief Commercial Operations Officer at Calix, and Darren Farnan, General Manager of Fiber Operations at United Fiber, a broadband provider in rural Northwest Missouri and a subsidiary of United Electric Cooperative. We discuss the state of the digital divide in that region of Missouri when United Electric decided to build out a fiber network over 10 years ago and how it's changed since then. We also discuss the role that Calix's managed services are playing in United Fiber's overall success in the communities it serves, how the companies are each preparing to engage with the Broadband Equity Access and Deployment Program, or BEAD, and more. All right, Darren and Matt, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the podcast. It's so nice to see you both. Um, since I have two of you on here, I'm going to give you both an opportunity to introduce yourselves and your companies. So um, Darren, let's start with you. Well, thank you, Nicole. It's great to be here. Um, we we are United Electric Cooperative and United Fiber. United Fiber is a subsidiary of United Electric. I'm the general manager of our fiber operations. And we have, of course, the co-op has been around for well over 80 years, and United Fiber has been serving uh, fiber to rural northwest Missouri, uh, basically from a line north of Kansas City to the Iowa border for about the last 10 years. Excellent. I'm excited to talk more about that. Matt, how about you? So I am uh, the Chief Commercial Operations Officer at Calix. I'm responsible for day-to-day operations uh, uh, from supply chain to field operations, commercial operations commercial strategy, IT, marketing, channel sales, et cetera. So sort of the day-to-day of how we support uh, service providers like Darren uh, to help them uh, adopt and deploy our technology. We have uh, just under 2,000 customers, uh, the vast majority in North America, in the United States. Um, and you know, uh, we serve service providers of all sizes from 500 subscribers to Verizon. But the real focus for us is uh, rural uh, America and uh, and rural Canada. Uh, that's our our sweet spot. Um, in fact, uh, nearly fifty percent of our customers are actually not traditional for profit companies. They're electric telephone telephone cooperatives, electric cooperatives, municipalities who've all gone in to just bring great service to their members and their communities. And and uh, we are you know that's a core part of our purpose is how do we enable them to adopt broadband technology and innovate, and at the same time, simplify their operations to be efficient, bring great new services and grow their value to all their stakeholders, their 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 communities, their, their shareholders, their members. That's really what we're about. And so we love working with leaders like Darren because they are in their communities, their organizations have been there for, you know, in some cases, 100 years. And it's all about really helping those communities thrive. And Obviously, that's tied into what we want to talk about today. It certainly is. And I am excited to bring you back in in a little bit to talk more about how Calix is helping United Fiber do all that. Um, But hang tight, because we're going to get some background first. Uh, Coming back to you, Darren, um, tell me a bit about the digital divide in the regions that you're in in Missouri or in the north northwest part of the state. Is that right? That's correct. Um, So tell me a bit about what the digital divide has been like there and why United uh, United Electric decided to get into fiber. Uh, What what did you say about 10 years ago? That's right. Yes. Um, Yeah. So we uh, the cooperative itself is, you know, and and we've talked a little bit about mission and really is to improve the quality of life in, in rural America. And, and we've 
constantly look for projects. We've done a number of different things. Uh, I've been with the cooperative, you know, 26 years, and we've done different projects to kind of help improve, you know, services and those sorts of things. That's evolved. We started off in like satellite broadband into wireless broadband and, and then into fiber to the home. When the, we really initiated this back in the ARA um, application days, back at that point in 2010, uh, we applied for 21 million to serve just parts of our um, service area that we knew really had poor service. And and we did, as part of that process, we did a, a survey at that time and and almost 90% of the folks that we interviewed at that time did not have access to four by one uh, service, which was the definition of broadband, of course, back in, in 2010. And so, you know, we knew there was a problem, but that really, that really showed, you know, just how much that problem, you know, permeated our area. And so, and, and on that note, just like the rest of America, almost 80% owned a computer. So we knew there was a real problem. We applied, not really knowing if we would get it, but we we did fortunately get that 21 million, which started us off in some of the most rural areas of Northwest Missouri, really some of the more rural areas of the state, because we only have about 2.5 meters per mile. And that doesn't mean necessarily a house that could be a pump or a barn or a bin or who knows, you know, but uh, so we're very rural, not a place that you would think of doing fiber to the home. But that really did get us started. And then, you know, it's really just taken off from there. But at our core, that's that's what got us into the business and was a need of our membership and and what's grown into the need of the of the full region. OK. And what program was that that you got the the 21 it, million from? It was the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act at the time that we had applied mm-hmm. uh, for those funds again to start. We, we covered about 14 of our substation areas with that application. Uh, where there's, you know, where the incumbent provider had not really made any investment for for decades. So. Okay, got it. So, um, so let's talk to me about where we are now. What's the current state of your footprint? How many subscribers do you have? Um, and where are you all still building out? So, so I'd like to say we had this perfect vision at that time. We we had no idea what we were doing. Um, frankly, we got into this to serve that membership, and then as we as we started to build the network, and we really started turning up our first customers in. 2013 commercially. And right after that, we had interest from all the communities. We serve really no communities. We serve all the rural markets, but there's an IOU provider electrically that serves all the communities. And so we started getting a lot of requests. And one of those first requests was from the healthcare provider in St. Joseph, Missouri, which is a town of about 80,000. It's the biggest, uh, you know, north of Kansas City, it's the biggest uh, community in our market. And they wanted us to connect uh, a group of their buildings in St. Joe with fiber. And we thought, you know, we have to take this opportunity while we can. We were also getting hit by up from a couple of the smaller communities that were wanting us to come in. Um, So, you know, as we were building that initial build uh, for those rural areas as part of that program, uh, we built um, a community called Cameron, Missouri, which was a municipal. But they they wanted us they they gave us access to their polls. And that really helped us get that in for a, you know, a very reasonable cost at that time. And then we did another smaller community, King City, Missouri, which is only a town of about a thousand, but again, a very, a very uh, relevant, you know, type community that we see in our existing footprint that, that really had a lot of needs for their school, for, you know, they had uh, clinics and different things in town that they, they still needed to have served. So that's really where it started. And now we've grown to over 50 communities uh, that we've built out. Um, we're, we just went over 33,000 subscribers and we have, and just to give you a scale, we have about 7,500 members on the electric side, 10,000 meters. So from a member standpoint, we're well over four times the size now on fiber that we were, you know, what took us over 80 years to, you know, to build as an electric cooperative. So the success has been, you know, amazing. We're, we're 
you know, activating 800 to a, a thousand subscribers a month right now. Um, so it's, it's quite a pace to keep up and, and, but it's been, you know, not just, it's been a win-win just from the fact of, you know, it's been great for the region. Obviously our, our board has allowed us to, you know, look at this regionally rather than just keeping it to our membership. Uh, and so we've been able to connect all these communities because they know how important that is, you know, to keep, to keep our region healthy and vibrant. Uh, but it also has, has made huge economic, uh, impact on our cooperative too. We were, we were the highest cost electric cooperative in the state from a rate standpoint. And so it has really, uh, relieved like the pressure. It's been such a benefit financially and, you know, obviously to the region uh, for what it's brought from a connectivity standpoint. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned a couple of things I wanted to follow up on and then Matt, I'm going to bring you in, um, so a couple of things that I wanted to follow up with you on is you mentioned, first of all, that you had access to polls, which made it easier for you guys to expand. And secondly, that you were able to expand beyond your actual electric co-op footprint, which I understand in some other states is difficult. Some other states have laws that prevent you from expanding, prevent electric co-ops from expanding beyond their footprint. So I was just curious about um, what are the things? It sounds like those are a couple of things that make it easier for you to actually operate this business. Uh, is there anything else that um, makes it easier for you in this part, in in this state, in this part of the state that you're in? Um, and what are the challenges to expanding your footprint? Sure, I, I would say yes. We're we're fortunate from a you know regulatory standpoint in in Missouri at least where we've been able to you know grow whether that's in rural markets or in in uh, more community based markets. Uh, so I think that's been a, a big advantage. I think that the biggest challenge we have is is probably funding and trying to serve those rural markets that are just so sparse, you know? So what we've done is, and I mentioned kind of the community builds, we've looked at it twofold. We've, we've utilized um, additional funding. Of course, like I said, I mentioned the 21 million that we received through ARA back in 2010, but since we've participated in, you know, Connect America Fund, uh, ARDOF, um, we've we've done some things through the ARPA programs with the state of Missouri, and so over the course of that you know decade plus, we've been able to bring almost sixty million dollars in to serve very high cost rural areas, which is only a portion of that. So it's still an expensive proposition. You know, it's it's not the full funding by any means, but it's a portion of it. And then that community build has been the other prong of that approach. Um, that's been the piece that we've been able to invest. We we have like you know we're well over twenty five hundred commercial customers. We're you know, like I said, over 33,000 now residential customers, but the density of those communities have been kind of that offset model to help us, you know, continue to drive further out into those rural markets and to our, whether it's just our membership or other rural areas that have, have been in, in funded areas and things like that. So really it's been that kind of that two-pronged approach. We've almost looked at it as not just a development model, but also a, um, you know, a funding model to help us get out in those more rural markets to help get that. You know, we talked about the digital divide starting off and, and that's, that's a real thing when you only have, you know, a couple of houses per mile, you can't, you can't build fiber to the home without some additional funding and make that work. So. Yeah. Do you have a ballpark figure on uh, cost to, per home? No, that's a great point. Uh, yes. Yeah, so we, we look at it on underground. We look at about roughly $60,000 per mile. The great thing has been, and where electric cooperatives bring a lot to the table, especially if we can, you know, like I said, we've worked with a couple of municipals as well. But when you can get poll access, that number drops to less than half. I mean, we, we typically see twenty three to 25000 per mile um, on aerial builds where, you know, underground builds are substantially higher. 
Okay, very interesting. Um, all right, I, on the funding part, I want to come back to you in a minute to talk about the the big uh, big funding coming down through the BEAD program, mm -hmm. Broadband Equity Access and Deployment. Um, but first, I want to bring in Matt to chat a little bit about um, Calix's relationship with United Fiber. Um, Matt, why don't you first tell me how Calix and United Fiber first uh, partnered up and what services you all are are offering them? So, so uh, look, the, the, I think the genesis of our relationship is that Calix has always been about rural America and rural providers. Um, you know, the, the the percentage of electric cooperatives, telephone cooperatives, municipalities who who do what they're doing with Calix is incredibly high, um, and it's just because that's where we are. And so, when when Darren and the team uh, had their vision, we were there. Right. We were we were, you know, at their association meetings and, you know, uh, people knew about us. And so it's a natural thing that's, you know, been growing for 25 years. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's really what we're all about. Right. And, and what I what I love about what Darren said is um, when you asked him, you know, describe what you're doing and why you're doing it. He talked about, you know, hey, we've got asked to connect a school and a hospital and a community. It wasn't. Well, we were trying to get more EBITDA and return on invested capital and, you know, blah, 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 which is important, right? Because if you're not economically viable, well, then you're not serving anyone. But what we find about leaders like Darren, and, and Darren's one of the best, um, is that they're really driven by the first step is what can I do for not just my members, but for our communities. And so we like to talk about, you know, we not only have a mission, which I talked a little bit about, um, simplify, innovate, and grow. We also have a purpose that we talk about internally, and it's basically to transform society one community at a time. And the great part is we don't do it. What we're doing is enabling leaders like Darren to do it, and we seek them out. Because when you look at what we're all trying to do here, which is close the digital divide, there are people like Darren who are doing it today and have been doing it for years in those communities. They know how to do it efficiently, they're driven by purpose, not just by making money. So what's the cheapest way I can get to this community, but what's the best way? Um, and I, and we believe that, um, you know, our role is to bring to Darren, you know, one, the most operationally efficient networks that you can build in the world, because he, he doesn't have an operations team of 10,000, right? <laughs> uh, he's got a small team. Uh, so it's really, you know, that software and cloud technology to make it simple innovate. So it's not just building the network, but bringing world-class network security to and home security to protect the, the subscriber, right, from viruses, uh, you know, social media monitoring to help with, you know, uh, how, do, how do I help, you know, parents deal with all the things that are happening on social media with their, with their children. So helping them innovate so they can just naturally bring that value, um, whoever they're serving, you know, a home, a school, a business, um, and so our role is to be the innovation partner with Darren and the way we find them is by living in the communities and in the areas where they live. As, as an example, we have a very, very large team for our industry who are in every state, right? Like literally in, in the communities, living with them where they are, which is unique to our model, but that, that's how we can really understand what Darren needs is we're there, we're living with them and um, that's core to our model. 
Yeah, I would think that makes a really big difference, actually. Um, Darren, can you speak to some of the managed services you all are uh, deploying from Calix and how they help you uh, with the business? And are you generating revenue or is this more about delivering value and growing your subscribership? Tell me a bit about how all this works. Yes. And, and, And just to backtrack just a little bit on your question originally from Matt is our first introduction to Calix was as we researched at the time, we looked at who's been not just the, it wasn't just a cost component. It was like, who's been supporting their product the longest. As we saw the life cycles of their product and the support that had been going on for, you know, that they had supported some of their older products that were still, you know, in play and still going. Cause I always felt like our biggest risk was having to replace the network, you know, down the road. And they had shown kind of that support. And then as I got to know more about it, I, even the first meeting I went to, you know, over 10 years ago, it was about, it was about owning the subscriber experience. And I knew we could never, we'd been in the business, like I said, with, with broadband long enough that I knew we could never compete price-wise. You know, I mean, it, it, you know, if, if, if a big provider of a tier one decides to come in and try to crush you for a while on price, they're going to do it, you know? So mm-hmm. we, we looked at it as more of like extending that service proposition, the same kind of service mentality we've had on the electric cooperative side, which, you know, cooperatives are some of the highest um, satisfaction scores and customer service you'll get across the country and, and trying to extend that into more of a, you know, more of a residential business that's outside of our typical footprint. And, and, and we've been successful with that. And I guess that platform, the different things that, you know, Matt has touched on, but it's being able to have a, a an app that can be, you know, that we can put in the customer's hands to, you know, protect them against viruses, to allow them to manage their home network and do those type of things are things that are really hard for us to develop on our own. We have about 75 employees. Um, those are, those are things that are difficult and it's not just about, you know, what's the lowest cost per, you know, unit. It's about what provides the most value per unit. And we feel that that's what this has done. We utilize cloud services that for our support teams, we take anywhere from 12 to 15,000 calls a month now with our, with our customer care teams. And we, um, with some of the support cloud services, some of the other cloud services that allow us to um, get access to kind of like from, from a marketing standpoint, how do we reach customers better? What, what are their needs? And even into our own operations, into our network, you know, getting insights there is, it's, it is, it's more of a platform and uh, uh, giving us access to resources that we couldn't develop or that we would have to piecemeal together, you know, from a number of different vendors. And this is a more comprehensive and frankly, a you know, just a more efficient way in our minds to do it. Yeah. Well, and, and I just wanted to throw right build on on what he said, which is, you know, fortunately to to, to Darren's point, they're they're using pretty much all of our services and and all of our cloud services. And the cloud is really about, as he said, helping their teams be operationally efficient to use the data to provide better customer service, so that when someone calls, they they can identify the problem remotely, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and that really helps our customers. You know, some of them have reduced truck rolls 80%, if you can believe that, like literally 75, 80%, which is massive operational savings. Yeah. But then on, on, you said the revenue side or the service side, um, you know, all the things that they bring, like, uh, you know, business services, um, you know, if you bring uh, home network security, content control, so you can control like what your family accesses and keep them protected. Those things not only help with um, with ARPU and help you drive a, a, a better service that generates more revenue, but the number one thing that Darren mentioned, satisfaction. So we, we our industry that we're all in, the overall net promoter score, which we think is the best measure, is negative. Mm-hmm. That means 
on average, there are more people who hate their service so much they'll tell people they don't like their service provider than will actually be a promoter. Our customers like Darren, it's shocking. Go look at the numbers, 60, 70, 80, even 90% net promoter scores. And Darren's point is if you love the service you're getting, when that person comes in, that big provider and says, hey, I'm, you know, I'm gonna give you 20 bucks less a month, you're saying, why would I switch? I love what I'm getting from United. They're, they're protecting my kids. They're protecting my home. They're, they're, they, they, they answer the phone when I call in and they know what's going on, right? Um, so <clears throat> that's really what we're hoping to do is exactly what Darren said, which is not only drive the business results, but we create a better service experience that drives satisfaction and loyalty. Because long-term, that's really what's going to help you succeed. Yeah. Um, Darren, did you want to add something? Well, I was just going to mention it. You know, I didn't mention the program specifically, but we've done a lot of, you know, we, everything from maybe doing a, uh, you know, a remote uh, wireless, you know, provider type service for like fairs or for events and things like that that are going on. Some of the things that, you know, with Cali's bringing out with um, what we're what we're calling smart town, smart biz, which is our business services, nearly 90% of our customers have a managed Wi-Fi service through us. So it's, it's really about how do you provide those services across the home, not just to the side of the home. And so it's when we look at those type of things, we want to dominate the experience. Um, so whether that's whether you're in your home, your business, you know, whether you're walking through the park, um, you know, for, for an event. Um, so all these different programs that that the services that Calix are providing are enabling us to do this on a very like, um, again, when I say efficiency, we're able to manage that service uh, through a single source which is, which is a huge advantage for us. We've been doing some of these things, but this really helps us bring it together into a single source and really provide ultimately a much better service. And, and I, oh, sorry, Matt, did I you want to say something else? The smart town point that Darren yeah. made is actually very interesting because about a year and a half ago, he had a conversation, he spurred up with me and he said, hey, Matt, you know, we're going to be going into a new community and, um, you know, we're going to have competition, right? And they're mm -hmm. going to have a fiber network. Let's talk about how we can do something different and really differentiate. And that's when you know we started talking about Smart Town, which essentially takes a secure content-controlled network and allows you to do a park, do a downtown area, set something up around schools, where it's not just Wi-Fi, but it's actually secure. You can control access. You can make sure bad content's not on it. And, and, and my point was, hey, Darren, what if you went to the municipal leaders and the school leaders that said, hey, when I show up, I'm not just going to to make money off of your subscribers. I'm gonna I'm gonna wire up the, the park and the downtown area and create real value in these public spaces for the community, which is frankly a pretty unique value proposition. There, there, there aren't others out there doing that. And so that's our goal is to help him bring not only value to the subscribers, but to the whole community in a really different way. And you know, as Darren alluded to, that's really something that you know we think is a big part of the future, which is when you go into a town, don't just make money on the subscribers, bring these other incremental things that a, that a community couldn't do on their own, right? They can't figure out how to set those things up. Um, and so it's a great example of, you know, how Darren is innovating with our technology. Yeah. And I was thinking um, in terms of how you communicate that, it sounds like you all are in the communities, you're talking to people. It's not just you know, a website that says, here are the things that we offer, right? Like you're, I, I imagine you have to go out and, and talk to people about how to deploy these services, what the value, is, is that correct? Absolutely. I, it's really part of the conversation from, from the beginning. Like even as we go into a new community, it's about educating them on, here are some of the differences. Here's what we do. I mean, and, and thankfully, I mean, we're, you know, it is a, a contiguous network. Like I said, it, it goes 
Um, and, and we just continue to grow it out and build it. So they're familiar often, you know, they're usually coming to us because they've, they've heard, Hey, you guys are in this town. Can you come on over to our town and that sort of thing or whatever it may be. But yeah, we start that, you know, we show up at the city council meeting. We, we show up for the chamber. We have people there. I mean, it's our, our advantage is being a part of that community. And so we're, like I said, we extend that to whether, you know, it's, whether it's, five miles from us or, you know, a hundred miles from us. So we're, we're trying to do that same model, but yes, these are differentiated services and, and you get a genuine excitement when you start talking about these things, you know, that, you know, we could, we could help your parks. We can help, you know, your, your kids in school. If that, you know, if they don't have access at home for some reason, there are some other options and just all those conversations, but, but you're really having it with the community leaders and being a part of the process, not just, you know, not, not just running your crews through. And then, you know, as Matt said, collecting the money. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry. I, I know I've kept you longer than I intended to. So let me okay. just close. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> let me close this out with uh, the bead program since we mentioned it before. Um, Darren, I'll come to you first to find out just a bit about how United Fiber is looking at bead. To what uh, degree are you hoping to leverage that funding to uh, expand your build out? And then Matt, feel free to jump in with your perspectives from Calix on, on bead and, and how you guys are looking at the program at, at this point. Uh, go ahead, Darren. Yes. A lot of look, we've been, we've been looking at this for, you know, well, well over a year now and, and trying to figure out the, you know, with the rules and the different things that go along with it. But, you know, like I mentioned, we've had 60 million in other federal funds. We've, we've thankfully had such success in our rural markets and the areas that we're looking to serve and with the communities that we're doing right now. Some of those obviously don't qualify. So we're still, we're still evaluating. We're waiting for kind of the final maps in Missouri. We're, we're in close contact with our, we, we do have, a, I feel a really good uh, broadband department in Missouri at the state level. Um, and so we're in those communications. We're looking at all of it. I just don't know if there's going to be enough availability in our immediate market, but I can speak for the other co-ops in the state that there's a number of them uh, that are, that are going to be participating in the program and utilizing these funds because our hope is, is that, and, and my one concern with the program has been, is be, is to not make the program too complex to where small providers shy away from it because we're in the problem we're in now across the country because of the incumbent providers have ignored our regions. And so make it available to the people that are going to do the work and be there for the long term and uh, do it right. So that's that's my take on the program. So. Well, I, I'll just say, it, hopefully, everyone who's part of a broadband office who's listening to this, I I, I really hope they hear what Darren said and, and and see what a community focused service provider can do. That's so much more than just laying the fiber and delivering a gig and and and. You know, it's really about caring about how that impacts the community and how to bring incremental value. Because absolutely, if we're gonna we're gonna attack the digital divide, it can't be about just making the build out capital efficient, right? And it's got to be about what's the impact on the community. And and leaders like Darren really care, and we need to all take the extra step, as he said, to bring them in, right? So we we actually have a very big program to do what you alluded to earlier, which is actually bring marketing content to people like Darren, because they also don't have big marketing teams so they can promote themselves. We call that our market activation program. We're doing the same thing on the beat side, which is we have a big program to educate our customers to address the challenge of what Darren described, which is frankly the complexity of the program and the fact that they may not be well-known compared to some of the big legacy players. But at the end of the day, the success of this program is going to real if it's really going to be successful is going to be requiring the 
participation of leaders like Darren and organizations like United. And the good news is there's hundreds of them across the United States. And, and my hope, our hope, is that this program really helps those leaders do what they want to do naturally, which is close the digital divide. That is a perfect place to end this conversation. So I want to thank you both, Darren and Matt, for joining me today. It was a real pleasure to talk with you, and I hope you'll come back and keep me posted on this build. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you. Thank you again, Darren and Matt, for joining me. Thank you as well to our producer, Pierre Landriau, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more episodes of The Divide, as well as interviews and insights from the Light Reading team. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.